So we were last here, we were in Parashat Yitro. And we read about the giving of the Ten Words, or the Ten Commandments as they're called, at Mount Sinai. Again, we weren't here last week, but last week it was Parashat Mitzpatim, where we see more misvote, more commandments being given. There are actually more commandments in Parashat Mishpatim than in any other individual parasha. We uh, read about two different kinds. We read about the mitzvot bein adam lamakom, the commandments between God and man, and such as not worshiping idols, blasphemy, keeping Shabbat, keeping the Shemitah year, things like that. In addition, there are many mitzvot bein adam lechavero, which are the commandments between man and there's your fellow man. Like, you know, the treatment of slaves or servants, and the, the commandment to maintain an honest and just legal system, and a lot of the laws about making restitution and reimbursing someone for a loss that you caused them. Right in the middle of all of these commandments, there are four brief verses that the Torah lists that summarize or talk about the Shalosh Regalim, which is Hebrew for the pilgrimage festivals. The beginning of these four passages is Exodus 23:14. Shalosh Regalim Tachog Li Three times a year you're to celebrate a festival for me. In that one short verse, God declares that on three occasions every year we're supposed to come and celebrate a festival. We're supposed to party and rejoice. In other words, worship him. Then the Torah, in the next two verses, two verses, it briefly lists those three festivals and the commandment to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to honor these holidays. And then it gets summed up in verse 18. Shalosh Piamim Bashana Yare Kol Zikorcha El Peneha Adon Adonai. Three times a year, all your men are to appear, appear before Adonai Elohim. Three times during the year that the order was to go to the Beit Hamikdash, the temple in Jerusalem. Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch, who was a German rabbi who lived in the 1800s, makes a point that these two general statements that God makes in verses 14 and 18 use just two different words. The first time in verse 14, God says, Shalosh Regalim. The second time he says, Shalosh Piamim. Now, on the surface, when you read through and you're looking at the translation, and uh, just reading past, again, it's just two verses among those four, and then it goes back into the other uh, mitzvot. On the surface, it seems like it's subtle. 
And there's, but, but I always say this, and you know you've heard me say this before, nothing is in the Torah by accident or by coincidence. There's always a reason. And it's something that we should learn from and appreciate. Rabbi Hirsch notes that there's only one other context where the word regel, where we get regalim, is used in the same sense as the word pa'am, which we get piamim, that indicates the number of times something is repeated. The only other time regel is used in that way is in the story of Bilam, which is in Parashat Balak. He's on his way, if you recall, to curse the Israelites, and his donkey stops and refuses to continue on because the donkey saw something that Bilam did not see. Because Bilam is spiritually blinded. Remember, he was a prophet for hire. So if you give him money, he'll do what you want him to do. Unless God himself stops him, which he did. But the donkey keeps stopping. And Bilam can't understand, why is this donkey stopping? Why is he running me up against the side of the mountain? Why is he kneeling down and not moving? Since he can't understand it, his reaction is to hit the donkey. Not once, not twice, but three times. So, in comes the uh, Dr. Doolittle scene where the donkey starts talking. And in Numbers 22:28, the donkey says to Bilam, Measiti lach, ki hikitani ze shalosh regalim. What have I done to you that you have beaten me these three times? So the, the word regal, which literally means foot, in this case, more reference to the foot being in motion, or the movement of the foot, or it could mean the rate of speed or the pace that something is moving. Flash back to the story of Jacob when he was returning from the house of Laban, his uncle. And he came face to face with his brother Esau. Remember, he's terrified at first. He thinks Esau's going to just kill him. But Esau doesn't take vengeance on Jacob. Instead, he says in Genesis 33:12, Let's journey and be on our way, and I'll be ahead of you. So Esau's saying, I'll escort you back home. Well, as we know, Jacob declines that offer. And uh, he says that Jacob or Esau's pace would be too quick for his animals and his family. So he's going to go his own pace to get there. So Jacob says in Genesis 33, 14, Please let my Lord pass on ahead of your servant. Vani et nahala liti le regal hamlecha. And I'll move further gradually, at a slower pace. Why? U le regal ha yeladim. At a pace suited for the children. Now, perhaps it was a ploy because, as we see later in that story, Jacob goes in a different direction from Esau, and they don't end up going to the same place. Maybe it's a ploy to get Esau so far ahead that he doesn't realize Jacob turned off. Maybe. 
Or maybe he really was concerned about the children. So back to the story of Bilam. It wasn't that the donkey was just saying, why is it you've beaten me these three times? It's more about, why is it that I try to take you on a safer path away from danger that you hit me these three times? See, Regalim is more of a reference to the donkey's direction of travel or his journey. Which, incidentally, that's the title of this message. The end of the journey. So, now back to the word pa'am. It primarily refers to striking or knocking and delivering a blow of a, in a particular place. The word pa'am can also mean an anvil. Another word that comes from pa'am is pa'amon, which is a bell that bangs against the same place. You, you imagine the, clanger, the clacker on the bell. It always hits the same place. That's an example of what pa'am is. So regal refers to motion, movement, or journey. Pa'am, on the other hand, means to stay in one place and deliver an important or significant strike or blow. It's a deliberate action. Now this might seem a little overly technical, and it could all be seen as maybe splitting hairs, because in both cases it means three, it was saying three times, three times. Okay, it means the same thing. But I think there's something important that we can learn by looking at the slight differences of the word usage. See, any occasion in life that we go through that is of any significance requires us to perform a certain amount of work before actually moving ahead in order for us to fully appreciate the entire experience. The three pilgrimage festivals, for instance, when the people from all around came to Jerusalem, it became a little more meaningful to them and had a greater impression on them because they had to actually make a long journey. It took some longer than others in order to get there. They actually had to go out of their way to prepare for that long trip. And in many cases, it could last from anywhere from a few weeks to many weeks, depending on how far they lived away. So while they were putting in the effort, it caused them to think about two things. Where they were going and why they were going. All that planning and preparation would bring them to a greater appreciation of the entire experience from start to finish, from planning to execution of the planning. I think that's where the word regal comes into play. That's the journey and all the effort that needs to be put in place before actually beginning the pilgrimage, the trip. Now, even though it's important to put the effort in and make the proper preparation for the upcoming festival, or whatever the event is, we can't forget, once we get to it, that we have to follow through or, again, execute the planning. That's just as important as the planning itself. Otherwise, what good was the planning? So when that time comes, when they actually get there or we get wherever we're going, whatever we're planning, we 
can't just allow ourselves to let the moment pass by without taking full advantage of the moment. You see, we can plan. We can save our money. Figure out how much it's going to cost us to get there. How much it's going to cost us while we're there. How much it's going to cost us to go back home. Arrange for pet sitters, house sitters. Put your mail service on hold. All of that. But guess what? If you don't get on the plane or you don't get in the car or you don't get on the train, all that planning is worthless. What did you do with the plans? So in the same way, after we've done all of our preparations for any event, but we don't participate in the activities or the festivities, what good was the planning? Now I'm not talking about something where you plan something and the plans fall through. Things happen. But when you plan something, you make the effort to get there and you just don't enjoy it and you don't follow through and you don't celebrate. You don't worship. What good is it? It, may, it, thinks, it made me think about a student who gets a failing grade on an exam. And he complains to his professor, I spent the whole week studying and getting ready for this test. How could I have possibly failed? Well, there should have been more preparation than a week for, for this test, first of all. And how can you question the professor? You're the one that didn't put in the full effort. And I think that's what the word pa'am is talking about. There's a point when finally arriving in Jerusalem for these pilgrimage festivals that one begins to see and hear the excitement and the energy and the joy that's all around. He needs to remember to deliver a pa'am, a significant blow, a strike that will leave a lasting impact on him. It's all about participation. You can plan, 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 but if you just sit back and watch everybody else, you're not participating. You're not fully appreciating everything you planned for. I believe these two ideas are what the Torah is talking about by using the words shalom regalim and shalosh regalim and shalosh piamim. So you notice that first the Torah begins those four verses with the phrase shalosh regalim, referring to the journey, the preparation. And everything you need to do before you even step out the door. Then it concludes that section in verse 18 with the phrase, Shalos Piamim, which then refers to that experience of the festival, that taking advantage of the moment that you've waited for, that you planned for, that you longed for, and appreciating all the joy and energy that it brings. Both of those elements, I believe, are an integral, integral part of those pilgrimage festivals. But having said that, they're not limited to just those three pilgrimage festivals. There are two ideas that we need to incorporate in every area of our lives. You see, if we really want to fully appreciate that moment or that experience in life, we have to prepare in advance before we even get there and make whatever the necessary efforts there are to take us to that moment. But at the same time, once that moment arrives, once we're there, we can't think or act like the work is done. 
again, by responding in the appropriate way, we can't forget to enjoy the, ter- the time, the festivities, the, the fun, the celebration, the worship. That's all part of it. Think about a bar bat mitzvah. Some in here have planned for those. Unfortunately for too many, the bar bat mitzvah experience is something that isn't thought much out of sight of where to host a party, what's the color scheme going to be, how many people are we going to invite. But be, so because of that, much of that momentous day is missed because there could have been more to it should have been more to it in all the planning what happened you take the mother of the bar mitzvah oftentimes the mother of the bar mitzvah doesn't fully get to appreciate the end result of all of her work because she's putting so much effort in and she's working all the way through even the party that she can't fully enjoy it. Linda can probably attest to that. Everybody else had a good time, or at least most everyone had a good time. But the mother is so busy making sure everything works out and everything is great all the way to the end, that when the end comes, they didn't get the full appreciation because they were busy. See, most of the children involved, they put in a tremendous effort. A lot of time is spent studying their energy and a lot of thought when they prepare for that special day and for their sermon. So it involves weeks and months of excited, enthusiastic, and yes, nervous times building up to this great crescendo that at times during that process, it seems like that day's never going to get here. They want it to be over before it has even been accomplished. But in reality, it's a journey that's been 13 years in the making. But what do they do when they finally get there? They read from Torah, bring a sermon, and rush off to the party. In many cases, to see how much money they got. Sounds sad, but it's true. I can't count all of the Benamit's folk that have been called to this Bema never to do it again. It's actually easier for me to count the ones who have been called up since that special day in their lives. After that, they don't want to have anything to do with being called to the beam and to be reading from the Torah. Many of them say, I did it because my dad said I need to do it. I did it because my mom said I should do it. I did it because my pastor said I should do it. But it wasn't in their hearts to really make that a part of their lives. It's sad. And many of them don't take the time to truly enjoy that moment. To remember the experience and make sure that it's something that they will have that will have a lasting impact as they continue on the journey of their life. That becomes the end for them. 
It doesn't go beyond that. There's never another journey. There's never another adventure. There's never more planning to go further. Until, of course, that day when they decide to get married. And even some of them end up doing that in a civil ceremony. They don't come back to the synagogue. They don't come back and have that special time with the mishpocha because they've distanced themselves in many cases from that part of their lives. Life is full of a variety of moments that are a series of times of preparation and planning. First, for some experience. And then the most important part is the execution of all that planning. Being a part of something that makes that lasting impression that not only causes you to remember it all the rest of the days of your life, but cause you to want to do more of that. I won't even go... Well, I will go there, okay. I said that I, I could count how many B'nai Mitzvot have been called to the Bema since their, uh, their, that special day when they became a bar bat mitzvah, when they read from the Torah for the first time. But I can count on no hands... How many have been inspired to go to that next step and want to become in a position where they're allowed to once again stand before the congregation and bring a message? None of ours have done that. At least not here. There are those that have actually gone to churches and become pastors and such after their bar mitzvah. But they took it away from the community they grew up in. That was not something they wanted to continue to share within that community. I can't say why it happens. I can't say what their mindset is. It's sad that they didn't feel that they could do that within the context of their own family that they grew up in. The one that nurtured them all the way to that point. To their Hebrew teacher to their pastor, to their parents even. But it happens. It happens all too often. We can plan for something, but if we don't fully experience the outcome, the planning is really all for naught. What did we gain? What is to be gained? In closing... I pray that we'll always look forward not only to the conclusion of all our journeys with such an expectation that we don't forget to enjoy them to their fullest. But not to stop there, but begin planning for the next stage, the next great adventure, that next journey. And when we do that, be as wholehearted fulfilling that planning to the end enjoying every step of the way and have the same expectations time and time again and the satisfaction that will last us a lifetime
at the same time, not forgetting each and everything that those journeys taught us. We've all been through situations. We've been through a lot of things in our lives. We've had birthdays. We've had anniversaries. We've had bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs. We've had weddings. But what do we remember about how we participated? The joy that was there, was it lost on you? Was it lost on the person of honor? Because that's sad. After all that planning and all that preparation, it's sad that the memory of it is lost to many of the participants. The journey will come to an end. But that doesn't mean you can't start another journey. But how is your journey going to end? How is your next journey, your next adventure going to end? Is it going to end with joy or regret? Is it going to end with you celebrating and rejoicing? Or are you just going to get there and sit back and watch everybody else have fun? After you have all the effort, you put in all the planning and everything. I know it's hard for the mother of a bar mitzvah to get there and enjoy everything because go, 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 busy, busy, busy. Does everybody have food? Does everybody have cake? Did everybody get enough? But we need to stop and smell the roses. We need to remember to enjoy the moment as much of it as we can because life is full of those individual journeys. Let's be appreciative and follow them through to their conclusion. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we do thank and praise you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you that you want us to have joy. You want our joy to be full. You want us to have fun. You didn't give us these mitzvot, these commandments to keep us under your thumb. You gave us these mitzvot to show us how to be pleasing to you, how to walk before you rightly. We should take them as joy. You took the time to speak to your people and let them know what makes you happy. It should be a joy for us to make you happy. As we plan, as we consider each and everything that we're going to do. We're moving up to Purim, Lord. We're planning for it. Different people are doing different things and getting ready for that moment. Don't let us get here next week and just sit back like it's nothing. Don't, those, don't let those who are participating get to that point and say, Okay, I'm finally here. I'm going to get this over with and I'll be done with it. Let them have a joy in their hearts. Let us have joy in our hearts that we can appreciate that moment. That we can be in your presence and honor you in our actions. Then we'll start off with the next journey. But Lord, let us reach the conclusion of each journey before looking ahead too far that we forget to enjoy the one we're on now. Shem Yeshua.